Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Not Over It. I'm Becky Kirsch, Managing Editor at Pop Sugar. And I'm Zareen Siddiqui, the Director of Partnerships at Pop Sugar. And in today's episode, we'll get into all things Oscars. But before we get into that, Becky, what's your Not Over It? Okay, my Not Over It for the week was a submission. It was the first time someone pitched a potential Not Over It, for, and we're taking it. This comes from our friend Allie. Thank you, Allie. And it's about Usher's recent visit to a strip club in Las Vegas. In a pandemic? We're still in a pandemic, right? I mean, he's probably, I assume he's vaccinated. Okay, he's got the double vax. It's okay. I don't know if he wore a mask. I don't know if he stayed six feet away from the <laughs> strippers. I do know that one of the dancers posted to her Instagram a picture of fake money with Usher's face, predominantly featured... And what? captioned it, ladies, what would you do if you danced all night for Usher? And he threw this. The money does not have a trade-in value whatsoever. Don't you all think he should be blasted on social media for this? Oh, my so, God. So, of course, the story here that was perceived is that Usher didn't pay for the entertainment he received at this strip club with actual money, but with what's known as Usher Bucks. No, this fake money that he threw out no. there. But so the story went viral. But as it turns out, Usher did tip generously and was a gentleman. This was just some additional counterfeit fake money that was someone in his entourage threw out to promote his own Vegas residency what? at the oh end. As like a make it rain, by the way, like also catch Usher coming to Vegas soon. What? But There's so many things about this that I don't understand. The fact that the whole story went viral over nothing is one thing, but I just love the fact that he's promoting himself with his face on fake money like he's running for president of high school. like Or treasurer, I should say. Monopoly money that he's like throwing out at strippers, thinking that it's going to be like flattering to them. Like, what Did he think they were going to take it home and frame it? No, I don't even think that's why. I think it was just to like spread the word. So people would pick that up and say, oh, Usher's residency is coming soon. I just feel like maybe someone needs to talk to his PR people that there has to be a better way to well, get the word out. Well, I'm you curious know? of like, where else are the Usher bucks going? He took a picture. What What can you buy with them? Like, can I Nothing. buy things from Usher no. with Usher bucks? Okay. No, it's like it's like a flyer. Is it like is it like when Kylie had the Kylie money when she sent those press kits with her like her lip kind kits of. and had Kylie money everywhere? But also like does Usher really need this sort of 
this word of a, mouth this, promotion yeah. for his Vegas beneath, residency. Yeah, this seems beneath Usher. Also, I had no idea he was going to have a Vegas re- residency. And well, there you go. It's working. It's working. <laughs> only, so jokes on us. If only I was able to throw some Usher bucks oh, at you, you would have known. And now I just want to go to an Usher concert. You can. The hits. You can. Nothing but the hits. On the way to Las Vegas. These are your confessions. DJ, play You Got It Bad. Okay, what's your not over it? Okay, my not over it is less exciting than fake money and strippers. But um, mostly just confusing because I'm not sure if John Stamos knows what the profession of an actor means. Uh, as a whole so he's starring in a new show that's coming out on disney plus um called big shots where he's playing a high school basketball coach and i guess he was asked about this um role and he told the reporter you know i'm really i don't know anything about high school basketball any of those things combined i was a band geek and to me that's like very confusing in general because weren't you on er did you have a lot of background of being a doctor then right like Like, does does john stamos know how tv works does he think that did john stamos have previous experience raising three girls in a full house before he took on the role of uncle jesse on full house yeah like i just don't understand what the the the, the entire interview was just very confusing but yeah i'm just not over the fact that john stamos maybe doesn't know what it means to be an actor (laughs) also like (laughs) the fact that that became the headline he was yeah. worried about playing a basketball coach. Like playing a basketball coach is such a, you know, not layered, nuanced role that only like how, why didn't they get a real basketball coach actor to play the basketball coach for this show? No, but also does John Stamos go around like thinking, you know, does he think that like Mayor Ellen Pompeo is an actual doctor on Grey's Anatomy? Like does he, does he know? I don't know. Well, so I, mean, I guess he's like been mostly playing himself in a lot of the things he's been on. Like an overgrown like Uncle Jesse. I think there's a lot of him in there. Yeah. That show I mean, grandfathered. Oh yeah, with he one was of the kind of playing a version of himself. I mean, I don't think he had experience like realizing he had a full-grown son that we know about, but maybe, so maybe- ER is really the only show he's actually ever acted in. <laughs> we don't know. I mean, I guess we have to watch the show to see if, if he can pull it off. No, I'm not watching the show. No? no you don't want to see if he if he manages to lie his way into playing a basketball coach despite having no prior experience? Also, like, was he worried about the basketball terms? Because being... On the high school basketball team also doesn't qualify you to, like, play the coach. It doesn't even qualify you to be a real basketball coach. No, I'm my high school basketball coach was also my history teacher. You played high school basketball? Well. And cheerleading? No. You cheerleaded uh, for yourself? No, no, no. I, I don't want to get into this now. <laughs> Let's move on. Was this before or after you were in a Let's sorority? Let's get on. Let, I was never in a sorority. How dare you? All right, we need to move on. We're okay. wasting precious time now. We're moving on. Today's episode is about the Oscars after a long and confusing award season that was delayed by the pandemic and just plagued by various Zoom problems and, you know, the usual garden variety um, lack of diversity within nominations. It's just been like a long, slow burn 
to the end, but we have almost reached the finish line, which of course is the Oscars. Yeah. So they were originally supposed to air um, in February, February 28th. 44 years ago. 44 years ago. <laughs> we have aged so much since then. Um, they are now going to air April 25th. Um, and a lot of the the backgrounds kind of changed in terms of what we were expecting from the show. So I think the Oscars are trying to be less Zoom-y, I guess you could say. Yeah, well, at first, the rumors were that, um, you know, the production team that's putting on the Oscars were banning anyone for participating via Zoom. And we're telling people that if they didn't show <laughs> yeah. up, that, you know, we'll send you your Oscar and good luck to you, which... Or like, pandemic who you have to Right, be I'm here. like, read the room! It was like... Well, Everybody in London is like, excuse me, we are in lockdown. We're not allowed to leave again. So they've, rain back, check. they've backed off that. <laughs> um, but the way that they're marketing this Oscars is a little strange to me because they're going with um, the approach of making the Oscars like a movie. And yeah, we've assembled an all-star cast. In a world filled with award shows, what if an award show was actually a movie? Which stars would you cast? I hate that. Like what? I hate that it's, hate that it's worded like that. No, it's bizarre. Also, it doesn't every Oscars have an all-star cast? What are we doing here? <laughs> Very rude <laughs> to the previous casts of the Oscars. <laughs> Well, so among the all-star cast, they've they've listed some of the presenters. So they're not going to have as many celebrities as they normally would, of course. And they have a lot of prior winners um, like Halle Berry and Brad Pitt, um, Laura Dern, Harrison Ford, Regina King. Not all of those people have won, but, you know, we've heard of all those people. Then they also like threw in Zendaya. For the Gen Z. For the Gen Z. Zendaya really is continuing to be the face of Gen Z at all of these award shows. Carrying the team on her back there, for sure. And this is a quote directly from the press release from the producers. In keeping with our award shows as a movie approach, we've assembled a truly stellar cast of stars. There's so much wattage here, sunglasses may be required. No. Like, okay, Grandpa, no. what? I know. I hate the, like, so much, so many stars. I need sunglasses. No, oh, no, no. It hurts me. It hurts me. And given that, like, most of these award shows ratings have not been great, I don't know that this is the way. Yeah, but they don't give you any details, but then have told us that one part of the show is going to be held at a different location at, like, LA's Union Station, and then they'll move to the Dole. But, like, I don't, I don't give a... Does anybody care about this? I don't care about the location. Yes, you do. I mean, the fact that you were so deeply affected by all the performances that were on taking place on the edge at MTV PMAs <laughs> last year. The edge. I could have seen those from my apartment. But yeah, to your point, I don't think the various locations are going to really add anything in the way that right, music like, shows sometimes do. Of here, here I am. Like now, I'm in New Jersey performing here. I think right because they're still going to be inside of a building. I assume. I, I think so, too. And I think at this point, most of these people got that vaccine. Yeah, I think they've been at it. And now they're like, feel less guilty about telling people that they got it, you know? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I mean, like the past few shows have definitely been a smorgasbord of options of how this could turn out. I think the Golden Globes were a total mess. They had Amy and Tina in two different locations. They had God, that was Daniel so Kaluuya being unable to mute himself and almost not even letting him make an acceptance speech. Then they moved into the Grammys. The Grammys were much better. They clearly had an indoor, outdoor yeah. 
Well, I think music venue. shows have uh, a little bit of an upper hand because I think it's it's easier to entertain with performances, right? Versus these kind of shows. A lot of the hoopla is around these speeches. It's around it's around the the red carpet and the celebrity interactions of like the Golden Globe, like who's sitting at what table? Oh, look, this person is talking to this person, and whatever. We we have none of that. Where it's like this person is looking at this person's Zoom screen. Like it's like the Brady right. Bunch. It was just well, like weird. I just like mean in the technical setup. The Grammys got away with no one coming in via Zoom, mostly because they only give away like three awards. So it's not not hard to eliminate the Zoom when you're only giving awards to people who show up. But (laughs) yeah, that is how the Grammys work. We'll see. Ask the weekend about it. He has thoughts. Oh, God. So does Zane. So many thoughts about the Grammys. But let's talk a little bit more about um, the nominations and who we think is predicted to win. So I mentioned a minute ago about Daniel Kaluuya being unable to mute himself for the Golden Globes. Now that we're heading into the Oscars, Daniel Kaluuya has been sweeping award season as has had the opportunity to make many an acceptance speech via Zoom. He won the Golden Globe, the SAG Award, the Critics' Choice Award, and the BAFTA. Um, This is his second Oscar nomination. He's nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Judas and the Black Messiah, and I feel confident that he is going to win. Yeah. Um, that was a great movie and he did a great job in it. I can't imagine. I, I guess the thing with the Oscars for me is you always think leading up to it, you kind of know who's going to win if they've won everything else, but then sometimes you get, you get surprised. Right. So to me, I, I do probably also think that Daniel Kaluuya is going to win, but I would also love to see Lakeith Stanfield just swoop in. <laughs> From his co-star? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a team effort. You know, it's it's sort of like they, I mean, they both were incredible in the film. And I love the Keith Stanfield. I've also been rewatching Atlanta and I can't get enough of him right now. So I'm like back on the Lakeith train for sure. Well, and I mean, we should call out that this is the fact that both of these actors are in the supporting actor category when it could be argued that one or both be- of them could be the lead actor, particularly yeah. Keith Stanfield. And the fact that they're up against each other is part of the problem with the nominations and yeah and how the nominations um, work yeah well also just like the underlying racism, racism. <laughs> <laughs> yes like, is that the word you're looking for the racism <laughs> yeah no i agree it is it's unfair to pit them but also that's the part that i feel like that's we've been robbed of so many you know nominate because people feel the need to like i i i think we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago where they probably entered within a supporting role because to them, that's like the easiest place to get the nom and get the Oscar versus like, they have no chance in a leading, uh, you know, in a leading role where I'm like, why is Gary Oldman back here? Like again, in a leading role. What I recently learned in all this is that the studios submit the actors for what they want them to be what the categories that they want them to be in. So they submitted Lakeith Stanfield for Best Actor and they s- submitted Daniel Kaluuya for Best Supporting Actor so that they wouldn't be up against each other. But in the end, the Academy voters are the ones, or the nominating committee, they're the ones who decide which category it's in. So they're the, that's where the racism is. The folks in the on, on the Academy side that decide where to place people basically after the studios have submitted where they would like to be nominated. Yeah, so the issue here is why did they deem both of these actors who could have been lead actors into like a supporting role? Yeah, because they're Instead black. of a lead role. Yeah. I mean, it's just that this is just like an ongoing thing that I think has been happening for years where these two actors were clearly stand out 
in films this year in general, but then you go to the leading actors in a leading role and you see, you know, like Anthony Hopkins and Gary Oldman and like who watched Mank? Who watched The Father? I don't like you could not pay me to watch a Gary Oldman. No, and that's part of it too is that the the nominating committee is not required to watch any of these movies before the nominations or... That is garbage. Right. So that's why it's totally political and that's why, you know... When it's Leonardo DiCaprio's time to win the Oscar, it's just as easy as everyone being like, it does seem like his time. No one's thinking back and being like, well, I didn't vote for him for Titanic or Wolf of Wall Street or whatever it is. And now I'm voting for him now. They're just kind of like, what do I feel like doing this week? Yeah, that's that's insane to me that they don't even have to watch the movies in order to. No, I mean, it's like strongly encouraged, of course. But yeah, to your point, it's like they. I'm sure they end up watching the movies that are getting a lot of buzz. On the flip side, I think. Chadwick Boseman is also going to be a lock for best lead actor for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, because I think even if they you didn't watch that movie, who is not going to give this posthumous Oscar to Chadwick Boseman? No, yeah, that's he was great in that film, but I am I feel sad for Riz Ahmed because I really loved him in Sound of Metal. And I just I will ugh, just I, but Riz will have other options. You know, he's a very talented actor. He'll be back. He's not going anywhere. I think. Obviously, being a Pakistani American, for me, watching a Pakistani British actor just be in such a mainstream role that had nothing to do with him playing a terrorist or he was just like a normal guy going through a not so normal thing. It was it was just refreshing to see someone play a role like that. I th- Obviously, I have, you know, a personal connection to that. So I think that's why it stands out for me. But I also it makes me hopeful for the future and also seeing like Steven Yeun being nominated for Minari of seeing these leading men that look like what I wish leading men had looked like my entire life, you know, growing up. Well, and this is the first time in the history of the Oscars that two men of Asian descent were nominated for best actor at the same time. Only took us 93 years, but here we are. Right. It's like how this is the first time there's ever been two women nominated for best director at the same time. That's insane. That's just like, you think we've come so far and we haven't come far at all that's the saddest part but it's still i i definitely don't want to take away from the fact that it's still something to celebrate and i love that both of these guys are up here um and getting the recognition you know getting the recognition and the roles that they deserve for a very long time um as individuals outside of their race i think which is important to know because they are playing roles they're not typecast i think we overlooked that a lot of you know in the past like I know as someone that has from Asian descent, when Slumdog Millionaire won, I was like, what the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like Bollywood actually has like really good movies that are great stories. And, you know, yeah, the music was amazing. Araman is a genius. But the overall movie, I just remember sitting there with my mom and my mom was like, Lagan was nominated, like, you know, whatever years before that. And it was a true Bollywood film that actually told a very good story and it was totally overlooked in like a foreign film regard but yet you know yet again like a white man made a movie about right <laughs> this indian that was like I, to me i just i wasn't a fan of that film it made no sense to me as someone that has been grown up with bollywood films so that was confusing to me but now i like seeing actors like riz ahmed coming out and playing these roles that just are so different than what we're used to seeing actors play um, from, you know, Asian descent, which I think is awesome. And hopefully we see more women in there too, which would be nice. Right. Well, the other thing that's great about um, 
Riz's role in Sound of Metal is that his heritage descent had nothing to do nothing. with anything that happened in the movie. In fact, yeah. I don't even think it was ever addressed, addressed no. or even discussed. No, and that's why I was like, oh, this is so great. It's just like... They're not even a drug, you know, as silly as it sounds, it's kind of like sometimes you want the representation without it being like shoved down your throat. Like just show it's like, yes, this is how he's just a brown guy that's going through this. It doesn't have anything to do. You know, you could be anything. Right. Well, because that's what it's like in the real world. It's like not yeah. everything is. Just no, like I don't wake up about- every warm morning and I'm like, wow, here I am, a Pakistani American waking up, making my coffee in my French press. This is how I identify. <laughs> like, that's yeah, like let's. So, yes. I agree with that sentiment. Um, Although we need to do better with women because it's still garbage out here for the ladies. Well, speaking of women, unlike the categories for best actor and best supporting actor, which seem to be, you know, more or less a lock, like, like you said, there's always the opportunity for an upset, but Chadwick Boseman and Dan Kaluuya have been winning consistently. Best actress and best supporting actress are both more of a toss up and, various actresses have been winning all award season long, which almost never happens. Like sometimes yeah. it's between two. Right. Um, but for best actress, um, Andre Day won the Golden Globe for United States versus Billie Holiday. Viola Davis won the SAG award for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Carrie Mulligan won the Critics' Choice Award for Promising Young Woman. And Frances McDormand won the BAFTA for No Midland. So, just all over the place. I don't know. Yeah. So... Who do you think is going to win the Oscar? I don't know. I think it's going to be between Viola Davis and Frances McDormand. I hope they give it to Viola Davis because I thought she She was really, really good. She was really, really good in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I really love Andre Day in in the United States versus Billie Holiday, too. I think she was amazing in that. Um, But I don't feel like a lot of people watch that movie. I haven't I actually haven't watched that one yet. It's it's good. It's I mean it's dark and it kind of leaves you in like a weird place because it you know it's not a super upbeat story if you have any background on Billie Holiday but um she did such a good job bringing that you know bringing Billie Holiday to life which I thought was amazing. And her voice is so so good. I also loved Carrie Mulligan and Promising Young Woman. It's hard. Right. I'd also, I also would love to see Carrie Mulligan win because we have seen Viola Davis and we've seen Frances McDormand win a lot of times. And I think Carrie Mulligan has sort of been up there before or, you know, has turned in a lot of really great performances, but is always kind of overlooked. And I thought this was a really different role for her and a very layered, complex character that I think with a different actor, I don't know if the movie would have um, been as successful because there's a lot, yeah. a lot happening in that movie and it kind of really rides a lot on her. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. That's crazy. I can't believe all these women have won at different. It's like, there's not one. double. No, and, and the past few years, it's like, you see the same four actors over and over and over again. Right. To the point when you get to the Oscars, you're like, okay, like here's Joaquin Phoenix again. Yeah. You're like, just give it, go ahead and just give it to Gary Oldman. Hand it over. Yeah. And then in the Best Supporting Actress category, there have been different nominees for different award shows, and there has not been a clear favorite throughout award season. Uh, the nominees are Maria ba- Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, which I cannot believe I that know. movie was nominated for Oscars, but good for her. Uh, Glenn Close <laughs> 
for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father. If it's an award show, Olivia Coleman's going to be there. Doesn't matter if it's TV, no. doesn't matter if it's movies. She's there. Uh, Amanda Seyfried for Mank and Yu Jung Gyun for Minari. I I admittedly have not watched Mank, but there I, every time I hear um or see Amanda Seyfried, which I know is also weird because I should you think I think of Mean Girls, but I always think of In Time that like horrible movie that she was with, with Justin Timberlake, where they like don't age, and now she's nominated for an Oscar. It's like look how far they come. That movie was really bad. It was such a bad movie. Olivia Wilde plays Justin Timberlake's mom in that movie. Oh, oh, I've I've (laughs) seen the movie. It's so bad. I'm well aware of that movie. Um, Well, Amanda Seyfried, an honor just to be nominated. She hasn't won anything so far, so I wouldn't say that she's favorited to win. Um, Jodie Foster actually won the Golden Globe in this category, and she wasn't nominated for this, so we have to throw that one out in terms of predictions. Yoo Jung Yoon won the SAG Award and the BAFTA, so... She's been picking up the most steam recently. Those were the last two award shows. But then Maria Bakalova won the Critics' Choice. So another toss-up. Although I do, I guess, yeah, no, it's a toss-up. I was going to say maybe there's one that's more favored, but I don't necessarily think there is. Well, the one thing I will say is I think Minari picked up, also picked up more steam as time went on because it wasn't released oh, at true. the same time yeah. as the rest of these. So it came yeah. out a little bit later, and I think... It has been picking up more attention. So I'm going to put my money on Yoo Jung Yoon for this. And I hope she wins. She was fantastic in this movie and turns in a really heartbreaking performance. Her relationship with her grandson, David, who's played by Alan S. Kim in the movie, is really the heart of the film. His and acceptance speech for, was it the Golden Globes that he won? Wearing his little it was a Critics' top. Choice Award. Oh my god, he was so adorable. First of all, I'd like to thank the critics who voted and my family, Isaac, Christina, Doug. Oh my goodness, I cried. He was sobbing. He is really sweet, and they really bring a lot of magic to this movie in a lot of ways. This is a movie that is still on my list. I text Becky like every other day where I'm like, hey, I feel a little sad. Do you think I should watch it? And she's like, don't watch it. <laughs> You're gonna you cry. have to be ready to emotionally receive it. I mean, it's a great yeah. movie. You should definitely watch it. No, I will. I'm, I Maybe I'll, I'm going to save and watch it with my mom. I think she would enjoy it. Mimi, I'm waiting for you. Okay. Well, let's, let's finish um, talking about the predictions for the other major categories. We're not going to go into every single thing, but... Uh, best director seems like a lock for Koli Zhao for Nomadland, which would be great. We've only ever had one woman win best director, so nowhere to go but up on that. Maybe we've earned it this year, but we don't know. We'll see, I guess. And then for best picture, it seems like it's going to go to The Trial of Chicago 7 or Nomadland. I'm going to go with The Trial of Chicago 7. Um. I have only seen one of those, so I will also vote <laughs> <laughs> The Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, Nomad Land just is not a movie that sparks any interest for me, unfortunately. I saw it. I mean, it's a very beautiful, quiet film in many ways um, that shows a different side of Americana than what we've seen before, but it's... I've seen enough of Americana. It's not for everyone. I'll put it that way. But it isn't really 
it doesn't have best picture energy, which I know this year, you know, nothing is as it's been in years past. But I thought the trial of Chicago 7 was solid. It didn't change my life. But that to me, it feels- was a good and en- engaging film. Like yes. I, I felt like I was engaged the whole time. I didn't get bored. Um, to me, I, I look at Nomadland. I've watched the trailer and I do every once in a while. I'm like, should I watch it now? And then I'll watch the trailer. I'm like, let me refresh. And then I'm like, nah, no, I think I'm okay. <laughs> All right, why don't we take a quick break? And when we get back, we'll talk about, um, you know, some of our favorite performances from this year and where we can watch them. Okay, so if you're, you've got uh, a few days to catch up before the Oscars. You know, we've already talked about which movies we think are going to win. So if... That's what you're after. Those are the movies you should watch and the performances you should look out for. But if you just want to see the movies that Zareen and I most recommend that you watch from this list, uh, mine. Important. What? So that's the most important anyway. Oh, I think you said James Corden. <laughs> no. The Prom. Zareen most wants you to watch no, The Prom on Netflix. It. <laughs> it wasn't nominated for any Oscars. Yeah, and but... after that, go ahead and watch Cats. Yeah. Also. <laughs> behold James Corden's entire body of work. You finish it yeah. out with Into the Woods. Anyway, <laughs> no. Promising Young Woman. I saw this movie when it was, you know, given a wide release in January, as wide as it can be during COVID times. But, you know, it premiered Sundance last year. So this is when everyone could finally see it. This movie blew me away on so many levels. Uh, the screenplay was written by Emerald Fennell, who is a first-time director. She also directed the movie, which is incredible. But I don't want to talk too much about the plot because I think it's better to go in blind. But this no, movie, you can watch the trailer and that'll give you a sense of where you're about to go. But this movie it, really keeps you on your toes. It, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it is a little bit triggering, but I think you you didn't give me any background on it and you were like, just watch it, just watch it. And I feel like I went into it blind and I enjoyed it that much more because I wasn't anticipating like it. I had no, I didn't even watch a trailer. I had no idea what this movie was about. Right. Well, and a lot of the brilliance of the movie is in the way that it messes with you yes. psychologically in terms of the casting, in terms of the soundtrack, the performances with the set design, with the costumes, you're like... Where am yeah. I? What's happening? I have no idea what's going to happen. Why is Paris Hilton playing in the background? Yes. Um, and again, as we talked about, Carrie Mulligan is fantastic in it. Um, great cast overall, just like really different from any other movie I'd seen in a long time, especially in a year when a lot of these movies are based on some historical event or yeah, some person that you know their life which there's nothing wrong with that but I think in those movies you you know where it's going you know what to expect right. and I think it just it felt exciting to watch something truly original yeah I think we've kind of as a society been a little bit deprived of original content for a while uh, yeah feels like a remake and everything is yeah um the reboot of the mighty ducks on Disney plus <laughs> get that out of here <laughs> Get it out of here. You mean well, it doesn't feel original to see what happened to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki and Wanda and Vision? Not that those things aren't great, but. No, I'm just, it's like regurgitated content over and over again. Like, what have we done wrong? Why can't we ever have anything new again? You know, that's how, that's how old we are. 
That's sad. Everything's come back around. Yeah. Well, following um, in your footsteps with this original storyline, A Sound of Metal has to be my pick, obviously, if that's not clear. I have already talked to death about it. But um, I think watching this movie was hard because you're kind you're watching someone you know experience the movie is about a uh, a young man that's experiencing hearing loss and he's a drummer a musician so i think seeing the movie from a perspective um a completely different perspective and the way they kind of you know let you into like really how raw the emotion is of what he's going through and how he's feeling it takes you back and um and Riz Ahmed just did such a good job with it. Also did it, so the rest of the cast. Every like actor, I think, in the movie, the ensemble cast was really, really good. And you can tell that he put a lot of heart into learning about, you know, the subject matter. And, and it, it comes out in his performance. So for me, Sound of Metal, of course, has to be my pick. Of course. Yeah. And then for honorable mentions, I definitely recommend watching Minari to you, Zareen. Uh, for all mm-hmm. the reasons I stated before, um, it's a really beautiful, heartbreaking film that's ultimately about, you know, the American dream and immigration and family, but wasn't exactly what I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Um, in kind of a great way. So I recommend watching that. And then I also just recommend Bra- Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just to see Chadwick Boseman's final performance and because Viola Davis is incredible always. That one's on Netflix too, so you don't have to pay. Yeah. Um, I would probably have the United States versus Billie Holiday as my honorable mention. That is definitely the opposite of the American dream. It's more of just like a reminder of how awful this place can be. And The, the American nightmare. The American nightmare. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely a harder watch, but I think Andre Day does such a good job. And there was a lot of things about Billie Holiday's story that I had no idea about. Um, so even though it, it was a, it's a historical figure that we're familiar with, I, I had never sort of dived into her story that way. So it was, uh, it was just a really good film, but yeah, you definitely need to be mentally prepared for that for sure. And if you don't want to mentally prepare to watch anything, watch Borat's subsequent movie film. Yeah. If you would like to fry your brain. <laughs> I can't believe he's still making those. Is he stopping? Is this like this fast furious movies? It's never going to stop. Is it? Well, he keeps getting recognized. That's the problem. That's yeah, why they had to make her the star. Because oh. people don't recognize her. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But like, enough. Okay, let's take a break. And then we're going to close it out with some of our favorite Oscar moments from years past that we like to revisit and are not over. When it comes to favorite Oscar moments, I have to come out of the gate strong. Every year around this time, I have a ritual and it is revisiting on YouTube the moment when they announced that La La Land had won Best Picture <laughs> and the whole cast of La La Land, Emma Stone, oh. Ryan Gosling, Damien Chazelle get on the stage Warren Beatty standing there doing God knows what, looking around, looking suspicious. They start making their speeches. And then all of a sudden you start to see a commotion in the background. People with headsets and walkie talkies are all pulling the envelopes out of people's hands. 
And it turns out that La La Land did not win Best Picture. Moonlight did. There's a mistake. Moonlight, you guys won Best Picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. This is not a joke. I'm afraid they read the wrong thing. This is not a joke. Moonlight has won Best Picture. Moonlight, Best Picture. And there is so much happening in this entire moment that every time you watch it, you pick up different stuff because there are a lot of different facial expressions to check out. I mean, like you got Ryan Gosling, like giggling in the background, which he later said was because, you know, you have to laugh at the ridiculousness of it. You can see Emma Stone literally saying, oh, my God, when it becomes apparent to her of what's happened. There's the guy from the La La Land production team who grabs the mic and starts making an acceptance speech, even though he knows that they have not won. He just like takes the opportunity to still thank his family. And at the end, he casually adds, we lost, by the way. We lost, by the way. But, you know, I'm sorry. No. No, I'm he like, has like big, guy. like I'm the captain energy in that no, moment. <laughs> like, like, what, what a dick. He's like, oh, well, this is my moment. And then, um, no, you know, Wrong. the other producer comes in to do the right thing. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to be so proud to give this to my friends from Moonlight. I mean, the cast of Moonlight is just like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And then Warren Beatty comes back. Warren Beatty's like, it wasn't my fault. He's like, hello. I just remember watching this um with my sisters you know it's the end of the night you have a couple of glasses of wine and wine a couple of glasses wine? of wine really and we were all like what's happening and everyone was just hysterically laughing at all of it because it was so ridiculous so unprecedented and my other favorite okay, part about this happening was that so many people because it was the last award i knew so many people who went to bed or the person they were watching with was like okay they gave it to la, la land like i'm out and then the person who was left watching was watching this ridiculous moment, but the other person had like gone to sleep. And then when they woke up the next morning, they had to be like, no, you missed it. Like they gave oh, yeah. it to the wrong one. I was admittedly one of those people. I didn't go to bed, but I was, I stayed up just cause I was like, yeah, they're going to give it to freaking La La Land, even though I was not the biggest La La Land fan um, in general. And they kept, you know, that movie was winning everything. So when that ha- moment happened, I felt so like validated. And I was like, yeah, get Mahershala up there. Get them all up there. No, it was wild. So yeah, that's my that that's my favorite. I'm I'm truly not over that. Um, well, I don't know if this is my favorite, but I want to take you back to 2001, okay. if you will. Um, I don't know if you that's remember. That's far. That's far I back. Know. It's far back. Yeah, we've been we've been here for a while, world. Um, but when Bjork wore that swan dress <laughs> on the red carpet, it wasn't so much the dress. I just remember her pretending to like drop her clutch. And then coming back up, and she had this fake egg that she had laid on the red carpet. And I was like, who invited this person? Yeah, Bjork, Bjork laid an egg so that Lady Gaga could be carried in an egg many years later. Or wear, or wore, uh, wear a meat suit. Like, Bjork really paid <laughs> hey, the way. It was a meat that. dress. Whatever it was. It was disgusting. But, I mean, that, that Bjork costume... Not costume, I should say. It was a dress. <laughs> no, it was a dress. We can it was it a, a dress for Bjork, but still remains a Halloween costume that returns year frequently. Year. Yeah, year after year. That was just one of my favorites. It's, this was like something that always stands out to me because I just remember it being so ridiculous. And a lot of people don't remember that she laid the egg. I didn't remember that she laid the egg. Yeah, that's like my favorite thing. I don't even know if I knew at the time that she laid the egg. 
Oh, yeah. No, I just remember being like, what the hell is that? Did she just pretend to lay an egg? What's happening? Mostly it was just confusing to me what was like happening in her brain at that moment of like, well, who who decided like, did someone walk you through this? Your stylist was like, and then you know what you should do. Pretend to drop your clutch. There's a lot of things about Bjork that we don't know what's in her brain, you know? No, that's, yeah, this is, this is the least of our worries, but still a worry nonetheless. Well, while we're on the topic of fashion, I also, you gotta love when Jennifer Lawrence tripped over her own dress when she was accepting the Best Actress Award for Silver oh, Linings no. Playbook. It was oh, like, yeah. you, she sat, she stayed there for a second. She kind of felt like a Disney princess, though. Like it was so like such an elegant fall. It was like Cinderella, like leaving, yeah. leaving the ball. But I felt so bad for her because so many people thought that it was on purpose. Oh, like she was trying to be funny. Yes, like it was part of her like clumsy personality, oh, like, like that she scripted this for herself. I don't know. And I'm like, I don't care how much you want to make a name for yourself as having a clumsy personality. Like you, you don't, don't do script for yourself that you trip at the Oscars. <laughs> but I also love that after when she was talking about it. She said that her dress was so big that her stylist told her to just repeat kick walk in her head because she had to kick the dress out in order to keep walking so that she wouldn't trip on it. It was like, you know, kick it. Oh, and walk. Yeah, kick it. But she said, when I was going up there, I just kept thinking to myself, cakewalk, cakewalk, cakewalk. That's where she was. <laughs> like her brain, her brain was They're so just scrambled. Like um, but obviously, you know, because she's in our floor and she can get away with that stuff. But um that was sweet and then of course like hugh jackman came like rushing over to try to escort her up the stairs sweet sweet wolverine coming through to help yeah i i almost forgot about that one actually um one of my favorites is also when um uh, jack black and will ferrell created the song get off the stage (laughs) that i actually i think that should be the music that plays when people talk too long in their acceptance speeches but i just remember them coming up and be like did you know it has lyrics (laughs) I was like, yes, sing it. But there's one song that nobody wants to hear. The song they play when your acceptance speech has gone on too long. That's the song, that one. And did you know it actually has lyrics? (laughs) This is it. Your time is through. You're boring. That song always makes me crack up. I like the year when Seth MacFarlane introduced the Jaws music to cue them off the stage. So when they oh had it up for too long, it was just like, Duh. it was so obnoxious, but also very funny. Oh my God. Speaking of obnoxious, remember when he sang that song, we saw your boobs and then the uh, camera kept like cutting to women in the audience. And I-, I know they were like kind of a part of it. They knew about it, but in your head, now you look back and you're just like, Ugh. Look at this. we saw your boobs. No, that didn't age well, even though at the time it felt sort of like, you know, this is what you get when you ask Seth MacFarlane to do anything. Yes. When you get asked, when you ask Family Guy to host your Oscars in 2013, it seems on brand for him. But yeah. people were mad about it then. And it is it's only even gotten more cringy now. Yeah, it's only gotten worse. Well, speaking of outrageous, do you remember when um, Gary Busey attacked Jennifer Garner on the red carpet? No. <laughs> Well, Gary Busey, well, first he attacked Ryan Seacrest. What do you mean attacked? Well, no, he, he like, he just came for both of them. Like, you can hear, Ryan Seacrest is trying to talk to Jennifer Garner, and you hear Gary Busey screaming, like, I've been looking for you for years. 
And Ryan Seacrest is like, oh, no. You, I've been looking for you for years. Oh, oh no. What 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 I what what I do? This is what you haven't done that I'm <laughs> And then he like Wait, this is the his, guy. Why was Gary Busey at the Oscars if he was behaving no, this level un, of unhinged? Why? I mean, why is Gary Busey anywhere? True. But he then I guess was saying hello to Jennifer Gardner and being friendly, but he kind of like went in real aggressive. And kissed her. And then Ryan Seacrest, of course, a classic question that Ryan Seacrest has like three questions he ever asks people. And one of them is always like, how do you do it? You're a super mom. And she is clearly like uncomfortable. Wait, right after Gary Busey kissed her? Yeah. And she's like, oh, you're not going to ask me about how this man just kissed my neck. She said that? Sorry. Yes. Tell me, super mom. I was going to ask you about balancing everything, being super mom. Tell me how that goes for you. About getting kissed on the neck on the red carpet by this man. Um, was it more or less aggressive than when Adrian Brody felt it was appropriate to oh, God. kiss Halle Berry after well, announcing was, her historic Oscar win? I think that was like, I think that was more appropriate because it's like lip, lip on lip. I don't. It's like more. On know. stage to this person sta- who yeah. is just trying to accept her award. Oh, that was awful too. Looking back, that has like not aged well at all. So many, nothing really seems to age well for the Oscars, unfortunately. You mean not James Franco hosting the Oscars? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, what's funny about that is that at the time, um, I was actually covering the Oscars for Pop Sugar. So I was in the press room of the Oscars, which is like kind of a weird place to be. To begin with, because you can't really watch, you watch the show on this little tiny monitor, but most of the time you're sitting there waiting for the winners to come in and out. So you catch most of it, but it's not like, you don't get the full viewing experience. Yeah. And I remember thinking that they were funny. I was like, oh, this is working. Like James Franco is so weird and probably stoned and Anne what? Hathaway's doing the most. And I don't know if it was because. Well, I think they wanted the younger, it's like they wanted us to watch it, right? Like they wanted young people to care about the Oscars. And I think this was their way. But right, and it was so bizarre that. that I kind of enjoyed it. But then after the fact, everyone was like, that was the worst thing we've ever seen. This was so horrible. So. Yeah. This was also the time, I think, unfortunately, for Anne Hathaway, where people were, like, turning on her. It was, like, yes. that moment, moment where everyone had just kind of woken up and decided that they no longer wanted Anne Hathaway. Well, right? it was a precursor to when she actually won the Oscar a few years later, and then they really turned on her. Oh, yeah. She said, I dreamed a dream and it came true. Oh, God. (laughs) It came true. Thank you so much to the Academy for this. (laughs) Poor Anne Hathaway. Oh, no. I know. She's made a a comeback, though. I think we've all... She's recovered. She's fine. Yeah, I think everybody... James Franco, not so much. And I think that's... He probably doesn't deserve to recover. No, I think that's for the best. Um, No. Yeah, it's fine. We can leave James Franco... In the past, I do miss. I mean, there's going to be no host this year. I do miss like the OG host, Billy Crystal. And when you know, we just had this beloved national treasure come out and sing a little original song and dance about all the movies that were nominated, and everyone loved it. This was like big 90s energy. Don't tell me not to make this film, I've got to. If someone takes a flop, it's me and not you. Oh, yeah, you know what? Um, I don't know if this was 90s, but when Angelina Jolie, which was not um, wholesome 90s energy, but when Angelina Jolie won for Girl Interrupted and then just kept talking in her acceptance speech, kept talking about how she's in love with her brother. And I'm so in love with my brother right now. (laughs) He just held me and said he loved me. And I know he's so happy for me. Wait, you think this is wholesome? 
No, I'm saying it's not wholesome, but it's also <laughs> 90s energy of like the weird, like the weirdness. That was like, <laughs> the 90s energy of everyone of incest. Uh, yeah, like heavy Lannister energy that was like happening there. And I was like, that to me, I was just like, what is happening? Like, and I, was she, like, I just remember afterwards, she was like, people are being so gross. We were just emotional. I was like, no, that's not. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not a thing that happens between siblings. I don't have siblings and I know that. So, no. <laughs> One thing that actually is wholesome. Would Ben Affleck and Matt Damon won Best Original Screenplay in 1997 for Goodwill Hunting? And they were in their late 20s. Ben oh. Affleck was about 27. They were like the young, hot up-and-comers of Hollywood. And they get up there and they're so excited that this acceptance speech, when you watch it back, it's just like two puppies that like oh. are ripping off of each other. Ben Affleck's voice cracks multiple times. Uh, John Gordon from Miramax. John Gordon. Uh, Chris Moore produced Chris the Moore. movie. And, Chris uh, Moore. Patrick Weitzel, the best agent in Hollywood. Yeah, and, uh, Patrick Weitzel. And Cuba Gooding for showing us how to give our acceptance speech. And, uh, um, and all our friends and in family. Kate. And, and everybody back in Boston watching us tonight. And thank you so much, the city of Boston. And- they thank the city of Boston multiple times, which I know this oh movie took place in Boston, but everything about it is just wild. That's and then so cute. I also went back and watched when Ben Affleck won uh, Best Picture for Argo because he produced that movie and directed it. Oh, that was such a good film. And I watched it to see the evolution of when he won his first Oscar to now he's more serious. But actually, oh. he had sort of the same similar energy of thanking yes, his wife and of all and over wife. the place. And, you know, at first he starts off kind of serious and then it starts like he starts getting nervous and starts talking faster and starts thanking Canada and then starts thanking Iran and then thanks Jennifer Garner and is like, thank you for working on our marriage. It's a lot of work, but it's great work, but I love working yeah. with you. And, and I'm like, like Whoa. Whoa. I want to thank Canada. I want to thank our, our, our friends in, uh, in Iran living in, 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 in a terrible circumstances right now. I want to thank my wife, who I don't normally associate with Iran, but um, <laughs> I want to thank you for um, working on our marriage for uh, you know, uh, 10 Christmases. It's, uh, it's, it's good. It's, it is work, but it's the best kind of work. Yeah, that's when you're like, oh, they're getting a divorce soon. <laughs> but she actually, her response was like so sweet. I mean, she was just like looking at, look, you know how many actors get up there and forget to thank their significant other? They're just happy to be mentioned and to be seen. I mean, it was kind of sweet. It was mostly funny to me, though, that he, you know, was still so excited to be up there winning. And so much had happened to him in between that. I mean, he made Geely in between that. Remember that movie? (laughs) (laughs) I do remember that movie. You fall that hard, there's nowhere nowhere else to go but up. Look, you know, Ben Affleck's single now, and so is Shayla. (laughs) (laughs) And God, now it's... Geely, too? Geely, too? I just hear Jenny from the block over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, well, one of my other favorite moments was the fact I, as someone that just does not understand Avatar, as like, <laughs> I don't get it. I watched it. I watched it in 3D. I was a part of it. Like you don't understand I, the, the plot of the movie or you don't understand the obsession? I don't understand the obsession. Yeah, no, I this, like blue. I was like, whatever. I don't get it. But I was so happy when Avatar lost Best Picture to The Hurt Locker. Me too. This was 2010. And the best part of this was the fact that the director was Catherine Bigelow, the first female director to win Best Picture, also still the only woman to have won that, which is disgusting. So she was the first woman to win Best Director, won Best Director and Best yeah. Picture. Yeah. Um, but the best part of that is that she is James Cameron's ex-wife. 
I know. It's like the ultimate <laughs> revenge. Like a yeah. And everyone thought Avatar was going to win. Avatar had become the most successful movie at the box office of all time. Made almost $3 billion. Right. The Hurt Locker was a much smaller indie movie that, you know, it was like the little engine that could. It was a real David and Goliath story. Speaking of the little engine that could, Jeremy Renner's in that movie. And, you know, he has since started a a musical career. Any excuse (laughs) to talk about Jeremy Renner. Becky's, it's Becky's favorite song. We have to play it. Becky plays this song every morning and she brushes her teeth. Some folks like to get away, take a holiday from the neighborhood. That's true. I do. It's your favorite song. I love um, just typing Jeremy Renner into Spotify and putting it on shuffle. <laughs> this is not true. It's your favorite genre of no, music. I can't Jeremy even, I, I don't love Jeremy Renner as an actor and I definitely don't love Jeremy Renner as a singer. <laughs> I don't know about that, but... Okay, I feel like we could go on forever, but we're just going to close it out with Adele Dazeem. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if we have to give this context. Everyone knows about Adele Dazeem. The day that John Travolta ruined Idina Menzel's life. Please welcome the wickedly talented one and only Adele Dazeem. I mean, she's got that frozen money. She's fine, but... I think also for me in that moment, I didn't realize he said something wrong, mostly because I was like, have I been wrong this whole time? I was mostly just like, what, I was what like, words did he say? I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't as familiar with, you know, Azina Menzel. So I was like, maybe, well, maybe I've been just wrong this whole time thinking her name. Because he said it with such confidence. So I was like, okay. But I really enjoyed, again, as covering this for Pop Sugar, the brief moment of when you're like, we have to write this news story. But no one knew, like, how you were going to write what he said. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> random garble. So like there was like a, a time period before we collectively decided that what he said was Adele Dazeem, but you had to like make a choice of what are you saying? Like what words are you dis- assigning to whatever just came out of his mouth? No, that was. And then, it, you know, they had that name generator. Did you ever put your name into the Adele Dazeem name generator? Oh, I forgot. The internet's such a great place sometimes. I'm going to let you know what your your adult name name is. Oh, what I've been waiting We're for. We're going to travoltify it. Oh, this one. I mean, I feel like people do this to you anyway. Yeah, that's, that is so real. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> What's my adult name? This award goes to the wickedly talented Zara Sussevich. <laughs> oh, Maybe it's Zuzavan. Zara Zuzavan. Yeah, please refer to me as that from now on. Zara. Sorry, our producer Emily's Travoltified name is Elijah Flores's. No. <laughs> you didn't know that. That actually sounds like a character in Lord of the Rings. All right. Well, you know, the Oscars are going to be airing this Sunday on ABC. So I hope you tune in um, and root for. Sound of metal and resentment. <laughs> I'm just rooting. I'm just rooting for some more crazy moments. I think crazy yeah. moments are what make these shows worth watching. Like, sure, the winners, whatever. Yeah, but I'm looking forward to more in person things. I'm looking forward to seeing what this all star cast can do for us. So yeah, I hope they like come out like the Power Rangers. I'll introduce themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, it's gonna be over the top in a weird way. So. We gotta gotta see how this ends, you know? Yeah. Okay, Becky, are you ready for your burning question? Yes. 
Okay. It is a Friday night. You're fully vaxxed. It's your first night out in years. In years, the pandemic is over. These are your choices. This is the only things you can do. Okay. You have to pick one. Either you watch Avatar with James Cameron explaining the movie to you in depth in your okay. ear the whole time. Or you're hanging out with Catherine Bigelow, but you're going to a Jeremy Renner concert. That's it. Those are the only choices. Okay, I'm going with a Jeremy Renner concert. Oh, how many, told songs, you, told how you many songs could Jeremy Renner possibly have? How he long sings, could that concert be? He sings that one song on loop like Kanye and Jay-Z did when they did their tour and they used to sing That's that song. That's fine. That sounds like great entertainment. And I haven't seen any concerts. So you accept and God knows how long. And I would love to hang out with Catherine Bigelow. Yes, that by the transit property, that means that Jeremy Renner is my favorite musician. If there's a gun being held to my head and the only other thing I can do is hang out with James Cameron to rewatch <laughs> Avatar. That's what that means. All right. Obviously, DJ played that Jeremy Renner song. <laughs> yes. <laughs> If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Have something to share? Email us at notoverit at popsugar.com. Not Over It is a podcast from Pop Sugar and iHeartRadio. It is hosted by me, Becky Kirsch, and Zareen Siddiqui. Our producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is John Ross. Our executive producers are Lisa Sugar and Brett Kushner. Thanks for listening.